All right, bradcooney.com. I'd like to welcome to the show hip hop recording artist RGL. What is up? Thank you. Thank you. How you doing? I'm good, man. Appreciate you doing the show. Thank you for having me. All right, man. So, um,. I've been reading through your bio a little bit and listening to some of your music. Um, I liked it. I liked the song I heard. Um, I guess where I want to start off, you know, one of the things I read about you that really that really reached out and grabbed me was how when your daughter was born, um, your girl, you know, who, who of course birthed your daughter, wanted to name the, your daughter after you. Um, and that was a pivotal moment for you that, that changed I just changed some things for you, so I want you to talk a little bit about that before we get into the music. Um, well, actually at that time, like, um, we hadn't been, we hadn't been speaking, like, uh, me and the mother of my child, we hadn't been speaking for a while throughout our pregnancy. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of issues at that time, but, uh, it was like right before my daughter was born, like, we even had, uh, arguments about the name of my daughter. Yeah. Um, I really didn't have too much of an input. I just had an input on what I didn't like. Okay. And, um, but she called me, like, I mean, like, maybe a week, two weeks before my daughter was born and told me my daughter's name. She was like, this is what I came up with. This is what I'm going to name And at first I was like, that was, you know, I just listened to the name. And I'm like, that's a beautiful name. Yeah. And she was just like, uh, you know, you don't get it. Yeah. And I was like, get what? <laughs> I was just like really stuck on like how she came up with that name. I really liked it. I really wasn't paying attention to the fact that we had the same initial. Yeah, the same RGL. Right. right. Yeah, she, uh, she's the one who pointed it out. She was like, you don't get that I named her after you. I have the same initial. And I was like, man, it's deep. And then she said RGL and the way she said it, I was just like, okay. I like that. Yeah. And from that moment, that's, that's what I want about. That's good, man. So, so, you know, it's really amazing in life when you have, you know, sometimes you're not expecting the little things like, you know, actually it was a big thing for you, but the unexpected, though, things that can just arise out of nowhere can really change, make big, make big changes in people. Yeah, that was, that was, um, you know, people, it, it, it's, it's kind of unique because when people ask me, um, like even people that know me and know like my government name and everything they look and they're like how did you come up with that when I tell them that it's my initials they like oh man that's creative but then when I tell them how it came about they just be like that's deep like yeah, that's dope and I'm like you know you know things like that is, is what inspires me and what, and what is important to me mm -hmm. so anytime I get a moment like that I try to hold on to it yeah man when I when I first got the email from, from your publicist about doing the podcast, when I saw your name spelled A R G I E L, I looked at it for a second. I was like, "What the heck?" But then it boom, it hit me. You know, it just reached out. And I was like, "Ah, oh, R G L. That's clever, man. I like that." All right, man. So now let's talk some music. Uh, your new EP, your latest EP entitled Black Force. Give, give me a little bit of uh, backstory on on that project. I knew what the end feel 
video was going to be. Mm-hmm. And, like, I came up with um, Black Forest. I went back to the Greek, um, the, the original Greek of that particular spelling of forest because it's not like the forest and the trees and stuff like that. So I went to the original Greek and looked up the uh, meaning behind it. And I, I, when I when I saw that, I'm like, Black Forest is like a metaphor. To me, it's like a metaphor for boldness. So when I sat over here and I thought about this EP, I thought about talking about things that's important. Like, you know, you go on social media and you see a bunch of things, but you see common topics that pop up on a daily basis or maybe, you know, by daily basis or whatever. Right. And these are things that this generation seems to find important. But I don't necessarily see these things the same as they do. You know, some people look at it for the surface of somebody and some people look at it, you know, beyond that. And that's usually what I like to do. I like to look at things from a different point of view because I feel like it's always more to the story than what appears. So I wanted to talk about things that I felt was important without, you know, in the process of writing, thinking about how somebody else might feel about my point of view. So I'm just like, when I went about this, I'm like, you're going to say whatever it is you really feel and you don't care how it might come across to anybody who hears it. So that's how, you know, Black Force came about. And so basically, you're, you 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 make people. What I, what I think I'm hearing here, and I like what I'm hearing is you like you like to make people think um, outside the box and don't be so one dimensional. You like you like you like make people really dig in there to figure out what the hell you're talking about, don't you? Exactly. But also understand that you know you know somebody like I feel like with influence comes responsibility. Mm-hmm. So you can't sit over here and just be like, I'm going to make music and I'm going to make what I feel people want to hear. Granted, I know that you need to make music that's pleasing to the ear. Sure. But at the same time, I feel like people need to be more accountable for the things that they do and the, and the things they partake in more than I feel they are. Mm-hmm. So that's, that, that is something that I wanted to always make sure was in my music. Accountability. I, I wanted to make sure... Whatever I say, if I ever have to stand in front of anybody and, you know, go over anything that I may have, you know, talked about or anything I may have said, I stand behind that. Yeah, man. So tell me about artistic diversity. This was something I read. Um, Tell the listeners out there what that means to you. Um, I feel like artistic diversity is, is simply being able to adapt. Meaning, like, I work with artists and I've, and I've seen artists that they're one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. You have one style, and it doesn't matter what, you know, the situation is. You're sticking to that style, whether it works or doesn't. And that's not me. Um, I get a feel for what's going on. Like, it, you know, if you listen to songs that I've recorded, they don't all sound the same. Yeah. And it's pretty much because the beats don't all sound the same. Yeah, that's good. So it's like I get a feel for what I for what I'm working with, and I go with that. I don't sit over here and say, okay, this sounds good when I do this, so I'm going to do this on every record. You know, that's just not me. I don't feel like that's a recipe for success. So you know, when it comes down to being diverse, that's that's just what it is to me. Is being able to adapt to your circumstances. 
I love that. And, and you know, the diversity in itself um, across all spectrums is very important to me. I mean, I just like to see um, whether it's in music or whatever. I mean, the, the diversity is a very important aspect of life. Um, artistic diversity. You know, when you was when you was answering me a minute ago, um, it made me think of a hip hop artist that I interviewed a few months ago. He was an African American guy from St. Louis, Missouri, from the hood. Grew up in a really bad, rough neighborhood. And but to do the ukulele player, a ukulele. I mean, that's like the little you know you know that little that little mini guitar looking yeah, thing. I love that. Are you kidding me? When he told me that, I was like, that is freaking awesome. I mean, that that that's what I'm talking about. Um, and that's that diverse thing I'm talking about. I like when people really expand. Uh, and you mentioned a minute ago about you make your own beats, right? You do your own beats? Yeah, um, I produced the whole project. Um, and I have not worked on a beat that I did not solely produce. Oh, no. Nice. Um, so, I mean, I'm not opposed to, you know, beats from other artists. I mean, from other producers or whatnot, because there's some very talented people in this world. I just haven't, you know, done that. I usually go and I go in the studio and you make beats and then I, I might make 10 beats and I'm, and it's only one that got me. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's the one we're going to work on. So, you know, I'll just keep doing it until I feel it. Like, I, I'm not a person that needs a certain situation in my life or something like that to go in the studio, but I do need to feel the, move, the movement. I need to feel that music. So, you know... I can go in there any time of the day, morning, noon, night. It doesn't matter. But I do need to feel the music in order to actually go to court. Does it vary from time to time? Like when you when you're creating beats, um, are there times where within 20 minutes you just boom, you nail one that just blows you away, and then there's other times where it's five or six hours before something happens? honest with you uh it's like writing in all honesty like there's there's been times where it's just like you said it's been you know you go two three hours yeah. they count with beats and you know they're you know they're not bad beats they're just not beats that you feel and if i'm not feeling it then i'm like other people may not be feeling it whether they do or don't really don't make a difference to me i care more about how i feel about it you know but, you know, there are times where you go through a stain and you be like, I ain't feeling none of that. But it's, like I said, it's just like, right. So you can go through a point in time where you like, you're writing and it's just like, it's not, it's not yeah. connected. Like writer's block. Like sometimes the people who write books, they get, they have that writer's block where they, nothing's working for them. Yeah. And then, but when you're in a zone, so it's like, when you're in a zone, musically, I can go and I can make a beat. Like, I can wake up at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning and go make a beat and it's bumping then and there. And because of how quickly it came about, I'm going to keep doing it. And yeah. when I when I get into that type of zone, usually I make the beats until I, until I make a beat that I don't like. And I'm like, okay, well, now it's probably time for you to stop. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that makes sense, yeah, that's too. Usually, that's usually how it goes. Yeah. But it's the same thing with writing. Like, I, I, you know, when you get into the mode of, okay, I'm working on something, and you and you know what's going on, mm -hmm. you like to keep that pen sharp. Yeah. But at the same time, when you're not working on something, 
you still want to make sure that you're doing it at least enough to keep it fresh and ready for when you are about to work on a project. Yeah, it's almost like, like you said, when you're in the zone and you're, and you're busting these beats out and they're sounding great, and then all of a sudden, you know, you hit that you hit that wall or one just doesn't, you don't really, you know, you're not feeling no more. It's time to backpedal a little bit because you might be getting burnt out. You know, you might be at yeah, a point where you yeah. need to take a break from it and back off and let me let me let me, let me go with what I got. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's that's exactly it. All right. So your single, open letter. Talk about that single, and then after that, talk about your other single, Savage. Uh, open letter was uh, that. I was speaking of these. That's exactly how it happened. Like right. I did. Um, I went in the studio and I played the chords. Like instantly, I got on there. I just picked the piano. I played the chords. And the way I played them, I looped it. And I'm like, I didn't put no drums on it. I didn't put anything on it. I played that melody, and I instantly started writing. Wow. I knew what it was going to be then and there. Um, like, I came up with open letter before I sat over here and started writing it. Wow. And um, I knew that. It, it, it made me feel emotional. And at that time, you know, I was going through... I was going through some things with the mother of my child, so, you know, that was fresh on my mind. And so I wrote that song while at the same time making sure that I'm not to bash the mother of my child, but just explain to my child the things that she's been asking me. Mm-hmm. And I feel you're too young to know these things. But she's my, my, my daughter, I've been around kids. My daughter is not like other kids. Like, she's a four-year-old in a 10-year-old's body. <laughs> like, you can hold full-grown conversations oh, with wow. her, and she completely understands it. Oh. She, like, has an expanded vocabulary and everything. She is not your regular four-year-old. She's she going to probably so, be up in gifted classes. You might have a little genius IQ on your hands there with her. Yeah, that's what a lot of people say. Like, they're, like, they're stunned when they meet her. And I'm yeah. just like... I was like that as a kid too. Like I was, I, I was extremely. My thing was math, though. I was really into math, and I had an expanded vocabulary. And I, I talked to adults more than I talked to kids my age. Wow, yeah. So, um, and she's the same way. So it's like I'm looking at you as a four year old, but you're mentally not a four year old. <laughs> and I don't want to have these conversations with you at this age. But these are things that you want to know. Like, the things that I talked about in Open Letter was honestly direct answers to questions that she had been asking me. And I'm like, you're too young to know this. Yeah. And she was getting frustrated. So actually, I recorded Open Letter, and then she was the first person that heard it. Um, did she put the words? Did, 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 did she understand? Did, 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 did it, oh, she absolutely. She absolutely oh, wow. Like, uh, she heard it, and after she heard it the first time, she's like, Daddy, can I listen to it again? Can, can we play it again? And she just played it over the entire night. That The first night she heard it, she played it over and over the entire night. Dude, how, how did you not and, cry, uh, man? That must have been very emotional for you. I mean, it was, like I said, it's, it's, this is my first kid. Yeah. And before her, I really wasn't around kids like that. Yeah. So, you know, at first, you know, throughout, like, her first two years, I thought everything she did was normal for all kids. Ah. Until, like, other people would tell me, like, you know, a two-year-old doesn't act like that. Yeah. A three-year-old does not act like that. And I'm like, I thought this was normal. I 
know she's way advanced. And now it's like, it's, it's blatantly obvious to me because she's four and she really walks and acts like she's 10 years old. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of deep to me, but when she heard it, just the smile on her face and she was like really lit, like there would be times we're in the car and she'd be like, Dad, can, can I listen to your music? And so I'll play the music and then she'll be like on her iPad or whatever. And then she'll just stop and ask me, why did you say that? And I'll be like, what? And she's like, why did you say that, Daddy? Why? What? What? what why did you say that? And I'm wow. like, and then I would have to explain to her where I was coming from when I said certain things. Yeah. And so when she heard that, she really didn't ask any questions because those were the answers that she wanted. I love that. She wanted to know what was going on. So, you know, she got it in that song. You know, that's, you know, you, you know, this is stuff that she'll remember for the rest of her life. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like when she's, when she's, you know, a mother herself or then a grandmother one day, she's going to be able to tell that story about the open letter song that her dad wrote. This is stuff that's like forever stuff, man. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, uh, well, that was the whole point, you know. And, you know, like I said, when I wrote it, I had to be very, you know, meticulous with my word choice because I wanted to make sure that it wasn't being perceived that I'm trying to bash the mother of my child. Right, right. I'm just trying to tell the story. Sure. And I also know other guys who was going through the same thing that I was going through, but they weren't willing to fight for the right to be in their kid's life. And I wrote that song not only for my kid, but for other men who were going through the same things I was going through. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, man. All right, so you you grew up in Chicago, right? Absolutely. So and tell me about you know. I want I want to I, I want to ask you this question. Um, I you know you, you hear a lot of things in, in the, on, online on the on the radio on. Uh, um, Twitter, you know, CNN about Chicago and, and how how violent Chicago, how many murders are there and shootings and um, so you grew up there, man. So what what do you what do you think are some solutions to try to reduce some of that violence? I know this is really a music question, but I saw that in your bio. You're from Chicago, and you're very intelligent, by the way. I, can, I just in a few minutes we've been talking, I can tell. So I'm really interested in your thoughts. Like, what, what, what are some things we can do to calm people down and stop shooting each other over there? I mean, I don't want to pick on Chicago because every city I live in, I live in Jackson, Mississippi, and there's, there's, you know, this is murder central down here too. I mean, they're shooting people in Jackson. Four, there was five shootings in Jackson just the other day. Um, so, yeah, what do you um, think, man? What do you think can be done? I feel like there. Once again, it goes back to influence mm-hmm. because I started when I was a teenager. I started to notice the shift. You know, when I grew up in Chicago, it was more so drug dealing and you know the epidemic of drugs, so to speak, more so than it was murders. Mm-hmm. And that clearly was because lack of employment. Sure. You had you know adults who you know instead of working in Fortune 500 companies they were sitting over here working at Walmart. So you're taken away from the job that the kids should have in order to do what they need to do. But they're not getting it because you have it, so they have to go to another avenue. So that's the type of Chicago I grew up in. 
like that came more from the influences. There's a there's a big lack in fatherly figures. Yeah. Like I have a lot of friends, and I'm it's only I only have one friend who has a father. Yeah, that's every, true. Every other one don't know. Him. Like you know, I know too many people that don't even know their father, and the not not to say that a mother can't raise a child. I'm just saying that you know there's a there's a sense of guidance that's missing. So instead of going to the people that you shouldn't be able to go to, you go to your music. Like in a lot of ways, you know, my father he was always there, but it was a lot of things that I learned in the streets that I didn't learn from him. Right. Things that I wanted to learn from my father that I didn't learn from him. It was like I had to chew up the meat and spit out the bones. Mm. So. When it came down to situations like that, I realized that music played a lot of part in the influence that took hold in Chicago. Because these people, you listen to the music that they were listening to, and they feel like that's perception. They feel like that perception is reality. While you're listening to artists that really never went through that. Because in all honesty, if it was really artists out there, well, not to say that there aren't artists that really went through those things, but I'm pretty sure that the ones who glorified aren't the ones who went through it. I walked outside and I've seen people get shot in the head and their brains out on the ground. Mm. I, I literally, I've seen, I saw that when I was a child, I saw it when I was a teenager, I saw it when I was an adult. And it was like, not like, oh, I heard about it, I literally saw it right. with my eyes. I talked to people who committed murders and asked them, you know, just analyze them where they were mentally when they did it. And they were just like, it is what it is, they don't care and they didn't care when they did it. So when you sit over here and you have these conversations and you actually get to know these people who are doing these things, you realize that it's because of the influence. This is what they were taught. Yeah. And this is where it's coming from. It was like the blind leading the blind. You have a lot of people sitting over here telling kids that it's all right to do things that they are not even accustomed to doing themselves. Mm. And Chicago took hold. And the thing is, you, you, one of the things you said really got me is the, the when you said you t actually talked to some of these guys that, that killed people, and they said it is what it is, that's the part right there that, that's concerning, because there's like a disconnect. There's, there's, you know, people that have compassion and people who have regret, um, there's still a connection. But when there's somebody who can shoot somebody and still sleep fine that night, that that's you know that's there's the big problem where there's no there's no um, sense of humanity, you know what I mean? The, the human effect's gone when you, when somebody can just shoot and kill somebody, and sleep fine that night and just go about their business the next day. That's a bad deal, man. So that's what's got to get fixed. It's got to be you know that there, there there's the problem. That's and you know like. I moved away from Chicago, I went to Tennessee, and some of the people that, you know, like I said, it was associates of mine that, you know, I knew had committed murder, and they talked about it like it was nothing. Yeah. And, you know, I go away, and now, you know, I get a phone call and say such and such is in jail. And I say, for what? They say murder. Mm. This time you got caught, and you ain't getting out. So that's a, that's a laugh I'll never get again. Right. That's a conversation I'll never have again, because I'm not visiting nobody in jail. So, you know, that's just not me. I, I, I've been arrested and after I got out, said I ain't going back. Yeah, and so if somebody, you know, that I love and I care for end up in there, I'll write you. I've done that plenty of times, but I ain't going to 
like that. It's, you know, people can look at it and they and they can feel like it's a sense of being heartless, but like I said, it's a system. It, it's, it's what you're accustomed to. When you grow up in a house full of rats and roaches, you see a spider, you're not going to run from it. Yeah, yeah, true. It's like you're, so it's like, it's it's like like, you're a product of your environment. Exactly. So it's like, you know, people have been around me when tragic things have happened. And they want, like, you know, they're crying and they're looking at me like, how am, I, how am I able to just look at it as if, like, nothing happened? And I'm like, I've been saying this since I was a child. Yeah. It's not new to me. Yeah. Man. I was five years old the first time I saw somebody get killed. It's unbelievable. So what do you think so, the fix, what do you think, the, I mean, I know, obviously it's not an easy fix. This is something that's going to take time, uh, maybe even a generation. But at some point, if, if there's going to be a fix... There's got to be a start somewhere. I mean, so what do you think? The, what are some things we need to start with? Um, these days, when I have conversations like that, I, you know, you got to look at the heart of a man. Yeah. Um, and in all honesty, you you can put all the resources in front of somebody to, to make a better life for themselves. And, and, and some people will actually take that because they just want a better life for themselves. Right. But you have those people out there that do the things they do because that's what that's what's in them. You can sit over here and give them all the opportunities in the world and they're not going to take it. Yep. Because agree. That's, that's, that's not them. So, to be honest with you, I really can't, I really can't pinpoint one thing that I feel like will help the situation. Like, before, I felt like, like I said, growing up, it was all drugs and you understood why I was like that so you can sit over here and pinpoint that but your mentality is your mentality if you can sit over here and say I'm going to go outside and I'll, and I'll think about the consequences of my actions and it could leave me in jail it could leave me in a grave and you'll be comfortable with that I don't know what to change your mentality yeah man I think some people now at this point are just they're just kind of hardwired they're hardwired that way. It's like a genetically, that's it. That's, like you said, this is in them to be that way. It's really unfortunate. It's pretty scary, man. All right, man. So let's get back yeah. on your music thing. Um, I've got a couple more questions on your music career. And I appreciate you getting deep up on that topic because Chicago's, Chicago weighs heavy in my heart, man. Because I, you know, I, I know people that are from Chicago. I've been to Chicago. It's a beautiful city. And there's some really, really good people in Chicago, too. Um, like, you know, like I said, I've been around and, you know, I uh, try to bring people to Chicago, you know, fly them out and we can, you know, have a good time. But it's been on far too many occasions people were terrified to come. Yeah. Because they're not from here and they all they know is the stories. And I'm like, exactly. Chicago is a beautiful place. It really is. It really is. It's a great city. It's a great culture there. The food's great. The pizza's freaking out. The food is phenomenal. The pizza's unbelievable in Chicago, man. I go to Chicago just for the pizza, man, if I could. Yeah, yeah. I, I make sure that if I bring somebody out here, they got to try the pizza. Heck you yeah, gotta man. You got to try the pizza and you got to try the chicken. Absolutely. Like, I'm like, you got to do that. 100%. But, you know, you got to get past what, what, what you hear in the media, even though it's true. It's just, you know, it's more to it than that. Yeah. Same, the same thing's going down down in New Orleans, man. I saw somebody get shot in New Orleans one time. And I, I live pretty close to New Orleans, so I'm down there fairly frequently. And New Orleans is a great, you know, Bourbon Street. I mean, New Orleans has so much culture, and it's a great city. But, man, it's got it's got its bad mood, too. 
you know, it's got his violence, you know, and, and it's just one of them things you just kind of have to deal with. Um, yeah. But there should be no reason to not go there. Though you got to, you know, you, you can't stop living. You know. You exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like I told a, I told a friend not too long ago, um, trying to get, um, trying to go out here and try to show a friend my my city, and she was like so so skeptical and so you know cautious about it, and I'm like, truth be told. Anything that you heard that happens in Chicago can happen right outside your door. Yeah, the only difference is that happens at a high value in Chicago, but it can still happen where you at. Yep. You, you got to live your life. Yeah, you got to. You got to do the same thing. Jackson, Mississippi is the same way. Jackson doesn't have as many murders, but because that's only because there's there's not as many people. Um, I'm hurt. But per capita, Jackson's, you know, Jackson's pretty violent. But I still go. I still go to, you know, I just saw a friend of mine's band in Jackson. You know, a friend of mine's band played in Jackson. I'm in Jackson for, you know, different, you know, just had the big WWE wrestling match in Jackson. I went to that, so I'm not going to stop going. You know, it's just, uh, it is what it is. All right, so t- tell me tell me some of your musical influences. Who, who are some people in music that you look up to? Nice. Like Usher was the first album I've ever purchased, okay. and I was a, I was a kid. I actually didn't purchase it. I begged my dad to get it. Uh-huh. Like when um, he put out My Way, yeah. Uh, like I, I begged my dad to give me that album, and he got it for me. That was the first album I've ever had. Yeah. And um, Tupac, and for two completely different reasons, because Tupac made me feel like. He understood the things that I was seeing on a oh, daily yeah. basis. And Usher made me feel his music. Like, sonically, I loved his music. So it was like two completely different things that always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. I felt his music, but his music actually made me think about what was going on right. in my life. Well, you know, you, you, you picked two, two that I actually, I'm big fans of both of those guys, too. And I love your reasoning. Your reasoning makes a lot of sense because, you know, when you listen to an Usher song, you know, you're not thinking hood. You're not thinking, you know, you're not thinking gang stuff. You're not thinking uh, rough streets or rough neighborhoods. Usher's a, a brilliant. First of all, he I rank him right up there with Prince and Michael Jackson as far as stage performance. Uh, I mean, his, his dance moves, the way he can sing and dance at the same time, his choreography. Um, he's extremely talented, and then when you look at Tupac, you know, I, I, I go I go back further than Tupac. I'm probably, I'm older than you are, and I grew up in New York. So Run DMC was was you know, they weren't quite the pioneers, but they really mainstream hip hop. Um, yeah. This is back in the, I was shoot. This is back in the seventies. Um, so I get what you're saying with Tupac because I mean Tupac. One, one of the reasons why I really 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 admire Tupac. Is he's not a follower? He was a trendsetter, which is big for me. I have to see. I really appreciate people who set trends. They don't follow him, and he was twenty years ahead of his time. And his and he was a, he was basically a genius when it comes to uh, lyrically. And he crossed over into movies too, which was unheard of back then, really, except for a couple of guys. And not only could he act, but he was a really really good actor. 
You know what I mean? He's yeah. multi talented. Yeah. Tupac was multi talented. Yes. So you picked two good ones, man. That was, uh, that was um, something I noticed too. Like that. Uh, actually, Usher, he played on movies too. Oh, yeah. Um, sure did. But uh, I really know, like, that really stood out to me the way, you know, um, Tupac, you know, did what he did musically. But if you watched him as an actor, you would sit over here and be like, he could actually make a, like, an actual career in the film. No question. He was on his way until until he got killed. He was yeah. he was making you know he was getting some big budget movies um, because he was really good. It wasn't just that he was a face. I mean, he was, I mean, obviously you know he sold tickets because everybody knew Tupac was. Um, so he was good for marketing. But the dude was a really really good actor. He wasn't. They didn't bring him in just because he looked good and he could sell tickets. That dude could act really really well. Yeah. Um. And that, that's one thing, well, you know, after, you know, decided, like, my mom always made me be the type of person, like, if I had a question, even if she knew the answer, she wouldn't tell me. Like, she made me look it up. Uh-huh. So, you know, when I wanted to know about Tupac, I didn't ask. I didn't go, you know, I didn't, you know, I was a kid, so I, I didn't have money to sit over here and go buy, like, his old albums and, you know, all that stuff. So I just went and I read about him. And um, one thing that stood out to me was the things that he decided to spend his time on. Mm-hmm. He was passionate about. Oh yeah. And that that plays a big role in your success and whatever you're doing. You have to be passionate to some degree about what it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that always stuck with me. Yeah. Um, I, I never really was like into acting until I realized that I was actually good at doing it. Ah. And um. It was like one, I was like, it was a school play, and I, I did it, and like, they were like, you're phenomenal. And I'm just like, I just tried to do my best. And then after after a while, I realized, you know, throughout different things, I'm actually a good actor. Wow. Even though I care for music way more than I care for acting. Like, I just realized that anything that you're passionate in doing, you'll be good at it. So... You know, that, that stuck with me. Yeah. Because, like I said, he was in the slums. And a lot of things that I learned, I learned in the streets. I learned through the music I listened to. Yeah. My, my dad was there, but he was he, he was more so of a worker. He was at work all day, every day. Yeah. So we didn't have those father-son moments. Yeah, I understand. My, me and my dad, my, my, father, my, my, my mother died when I was 15. And my father, obviously, he had to work. It, like work, 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 just to keep the roof and food, you know, on the table. So I, I understand where you're coming from there. You know, back on Usher, Usher discovered uh, um, what's his name, the, the, the white kid from Canada, uh, Justin Bieber. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Found him on YouTube. I realized that some time ago. Yep. Yeah, man. All right. So um, last thing I got for you. Um, what are some of your goals? Where do you want to be a year from now, say? Uh, the rest of 18 into, into 2019. Um, the rest of 18, I'll continue promoting Black Forest. I will um, put out visuals to a few, uh, I won't say a few, because I'm more literal than, you know. <laughs> so I, I will put out some visuals to a 
Yep. Um, we're working on that. And as far as a year from now, I want to, I, I, I really want to be able to say that a year from now, I am light years ahead of where I was today. Yeah, man. So, you know, as far as musically, um, as long as my music is, is out there and people know who I am, and, you know, that's not because I'm a very humble type of person. I could really care less for fame. I care more so that you hear my music. I care about that. Yeah. Um, that, that, you know, especially the time I spend on, you know, writing and all of that is, is something I'm, I'm extremely passionate about. So I care so much about the music that I want my music out there. And I, and I know in a year from now, things will be completely different yeah. like this is an introduction a year from now I won't need one <laughs> yeah yeah I feel that too I listen to your music you certainly got the talent you got the talent to go many many levels up um, thank you and, you know, and again you're multi-talented too because you can produce you write you make beats you sing I actually heard some songs where you actually sing which is really important I think it's important for hip hop not just rap if you can sing too that's even bonus um, even more polished uh, artist, so I wish the best for you, man. I really enjoyed this too. It was a pretty deep podcast. I like to touch on that sometimes. I like to get into into the heads of my of my artists, uh, guests, and uh, I appreciate you, you know, going going Chicago on me a little bit there, getting getting deep on Chicago. Uh, I appreciate that. But before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to tell all the listeners out there where they can find you on social media, where they can get your music, and things like that. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, on Facebook. Everything is at 7RGL, at the number 7, A-R-G-I-E-L. You can find me on um, all social media platforms from that username. Um, you can find my music everywhere. You can find it on Spotify, okay. iTunes, Apple Music, YouTube. It's everywhere. So, you know, there's, I made it, I made it like that for a reason. Like I said, I really just want people to hear it. Absolutely. So, I made it very accessible. So you can find my music anywhere. Get the spelling right. You're good. A-R-G-I-E-L. A-R-G-I-E-L. A-K-A R-G-L. I love that name. I really appreciate you doing this. Um, we want to get you back on, so we'll get you back on the show once you got some new stuff you want to talk about. All right? Thank you. I 